Welcome to episode 19 of Red Bull Rewind. My special guest today is TVG analyst Megan Devine, and today we go over some races from opening day Saturday at Santa Anita. We cover some topics including why workouts matter in racing, what to do with maidens who have had a few starts, and why having Mike Smith in your horse is never a bad thing. This is Redboard Rewind. Welcome to my special guest, Megan Devine. Megan, how are you doing today? Hey, Spencer. I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, coming off of opening weekend of Santa Anita Park out here in California, so it's it's certainly uh, been a doozy. I've been waiting for Santa Anita to come back after all the terrible stuff that happened last year. I'm excited to see that I got off to a rocking and racing start from some of my friends out there, mm-hmm. sending me pictures and stuff. It definitely was a weekend of happy trips and just really, really fun racing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It was uh, nice to see that. I mean, they got a, a massive crowd for opening day, 35,000 people, which was nice to see the uh, stands filled, which was good. And uh, I wasn't there on track. I was in the TVG studio covering the racing over there, but just certainly it looked fantastic from the pictures and all the coverage that we did. So I just want to ask you a few questions before we get started. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're handicapping a race, what exactly is your process kind of from start to finish? Um, well, it differs at least for the racing in California uh, a little bit than everywhere else. I mean, here at Santa Anita um, and Del Mar, I am able to use XBPV quite a bit, which for me is um, pretty much number one. I mean, I, I went through opening day mostly just looking at the workouts first, and that's visually. I, I really don't use um, clocker reports. If I had them from Gary Young every day, I would use them, but uh, for me, I have spent my entire life on or around horses. So the physical look of them, both with workouts and with um, race replays, paddock picks, all of that is, to me, more important than almost anything else. Um, So it's all about watching those workouts, seeing how they're doing it. Are they doing it well within themselves? Um, Equipment is big for me. If you see any changes, whether that's bits or types of uh, bridles, figure eights, not, um, et cetera. All of those little details I think are really important because for me, it's always been about the horse and that's both my love of the game, but also I think my biggest strength in this industry. So I use that. um, And I also obviously dive into the form and uh, look at class and um, uh, yeah, everything else that there is, there's so much for you to to take in. Do you have a favorite angle you use? That's not so much from the XBTV side, but more of like when you're diving into the form. Um, You know, I would say I use a lot on TVG. Uh, I don't mind horses racing into shape. I'm okay with third start off the layoff. I really like that angle um, for horses that are coming back. They've had an improved second start back. Uh, That to me, I think works more often than not. I also like uh, horses that have been, if you have a a horse that had a rough trip, they were vanned off, they were pulled up, uh, whatever happened, but they come off a little bit of a layoff usually after that. Because they have to work back, they have to be approved by the veterinarian to come back and race. If you see a horse, which that happened to, they were intended to do pretty well. I mean, I'm not saying a 70-to-1 shot that pulls up and then they come back and they win. I don't think that's the case. But if you have a horse that, say, was 3-to-1, maybe they were the favorite, maybe they were 5-to-1, whatever it is, have something happen. They have to work off the vet's list. They have some good work. They're able to come back, and more often than not, they're kind of dismissed by the public because of that last effort. But uh, I find that those horses can really come back and, and uh, come back at a big price, too. I totally agree with you on that. I think it just happened, maybe not Santania, but last week there was two or three horses that were, like, people were talking on Twitter about eased or vanned off, and they're like, they come back and win at 14-1. I think the public, as soon as they see the word vanned off, they just think that the horse has major problems, and when he comes back three, maybe a month later, they're just completely dismissive, and that's why they get those horses at 15 20 to one that can run at least at the board and sometimes even win. Yeah. If they're, if they're intended to do well, I think in that race where they do have that trouble, 
you know, I'm not so much of a pessimist when it comes to racing as maybe some other people. Uh, and that goes for, I don't knock jockeys really. And because I'm not out there putting my life on the line. And I really do think that most people in this industry have the welfare of the horses at heart. So, you know, I don't think of it as they have some major issue and, and you know, this is a suspicious drop or they're putting them in this spot or something's wrong. I think of it as the way as instead the opposite, more of a glass half full where they, there was, there was an issue. They gave the horse the time they've done everything they need to do. And, and trust me, being in the barns, those horses get more therapy than I could ever hope for, uh, for my own broken body. But, you know, I, I think of it as the way is they've done everything right. They've taken all the care in the world, the, the time that they needed to get these horses back to tip top shape. So I think if you kind of flip the script, um, those horses become more playable. What is another racetrack? Cause I know with you working for TVG, you, you obviously get a bunch of different racetracks to have to handicap. What's your second favorite, I guess, or if you're not talking California, what's your favorite racetrack to handicap? Well, my favorite track for sure is, uh, San or rather Saratoga. <laughs> that is without a doubt. Okay. Uh, Saratoga and Keeneland, um, are my all time favorites, but I'm a New Yorker. So anytime I could get back or, or play along with, uh, racing in New York, I, I really love that. And I feel like I do pretty strongly, uh, pretty well in New York and Kentucky, just cause I've spent time there. I grew up in New York and then I, I went to college at the University of Louisville's equine program in Kentucky. So I've gotten to know quite a bit of that circuit, those trainers, you know, kind of the tendencies of some of them. So I feel like I have a bit of an edge there. Uh, but I will say my favorite track to cover, if I'm working a TVG2 shift, I love racing at Tampa. I think it is so good. <laughs> I think that the maiden awesome. races on the grass, you get big fields and you actually get some really competitive horses. A lot of them ship up from uh, Gulfstream Park, but even some of the locals there, I, I find that there's a lot of value in the turf racing on the grass at Tampa. And I like the turf racing at the fairgrounds as well. When I first started growing up and playing the races, my dad's like, before we try out the big tracks, you have to start off at the small tracks. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> so my, my orientation was Finger Lakes and Tampa. And I was like, uh-huh. Seven buyer and this horse won a race. Like what is going on here? And now that I look back at it, I still love playing Finger Lakes and especially Tampa. Like whenever we go over for a local, you know, brunch on Saturday or whatever, the first track we're playing afterwards is Tampa Bay. Absolutely. So, I love it. <laughs> I totally get that. What why do you say we get started with these races? Race number two on Saturday was the seventy five thousand Lady Shamrock for three year old Phillies going one mile on the turf. What were your thoughts going into this, Megan? Oh my gosh, this is my lock of the day. Um, I I loved Brill. I mean, for me, <clears throat> I've kind of been doubtful of her form in the past. They've really just uh, kind of, she's like a piece of pasta. You're trying to throw her at the wall and see which <laughs> where she sticks. And mm-hmm. That's been uh, sprinting on the main track at various racetracks. Um, obviously, she's in the barn of Don Chatlos now. She is coming off a layoff. Um, Blinker's coming off for her, which I think was, it was a good thing. She had her worst effort lost last time fourth by 18 lengths. And that was the only time she wore the blinkers. So let's call it a failed experiment. Um, but really it was a back class for her. If you're talking about the form, she's been in some really tough races. Yeah. She's coming out of a grade three, uh, a grade two, but look at where those were. It's black eyed Susan day. You get huge fields at Pimlico. That's the most competitive weekend that they have. The fantasy is always tough at Oakland Park, and horses, I think, really take to that track. Those that do well there um, seem to continue to, and I wouldn't say that that's one of her best racetracks. Belmont, obviously, that's tough. And then you had the grade one races here at Santa Anita, where she was in the Chandelier, the Del Mar uh, debutante. But honestly, this is one of those examples where I guess it's the form, and you have to look at the back class, and to me, that was most important because you have a lot of horses that are coming out of maiden races, uh, allowance optional claiming. The workouts for her were so good. She worked inside of Instagram on uh, December 19th and got to see that on XBTV. Obviously, Instagram, a a male counterpart. He's grade two winner, multiple graded sixth place. And although he's coming out of an allowance race at Del Mar, uh, he's still got a lot of class to him. And I like the fact that she worked without the blinkers. Um, She was ahead of the company and she was restrained. I mean, she, in my notes, I keep my own workout and trip notes. Uh, I said she could do much more, wasn't being asked at all, and she looked so healthy and fit. So in my opinion, I know she was she's running first-time turf. Um, she It didn't matter what surface she was running on. She could have been running on rocks, uh, and I think she she uh, is was go- is going to do good. So Brill, my top selection there. But i got to tell you that my price horse in here 
is the five, and that one is um, Angel Alessandra. Workouts also really good for her for good connections. Richard Baltus, Joel Rosario, she's coming out of a turf race. Uh, she's coming off a layoff, but that doesn't worry me so much with a trainer like this. So Angel Alessandra, in my opinion, she's really the price play. If you like her at six to one, maybe she goes off, off a little higher than that. But I think she's kind of the sleeper in here. Got the experience at the distance. I think she can improve. First time with Richard Baltus is uh, definitely a good thing. For me, it was such a strange race. Obviously, the number one keeper of the stars, two back, won the grade three. And I always like to see horses in the listed stake grade three area try to actually have a win in that scenario. Brill, for me, was strange. I, I love the back class. The works were good. Mm-hmm. I just was wondering why they were finally putting her on the turf in this spot. And I'm not saying it was too tough of a spot, but when mm-hmm. you get someone like Flavian Pratt up, who is, for me, pretty much, if he's on the turf course, he's an auto lock for me to include on my tickets. I just was kind of making her like my underneath play, knowing that it, would, that it was probably going to come back and bite me in the butt. My topic ended up being number <laughs> five, Angel Alice, Alessandra. Yeah. Uh, just Richard Baltus, to me, is one of the – his stats don't give him enough credit. On the turf, 18% with a $2 ROI. He's really probably wins more than that on the turf. And I really like that – race last time out the 81x came in third but just the last time that rosario or second to last time rosario was on in the 81x they won fast pace coming rosario is one of the best coming off the pace i really just like those two to kind of finish in the exact and brill to probably end up in the trifecta brill i mean the other thing you have to look at with that horse is this is a one million dollar purchase i mean they have invested with her and to date she's only made $102,000 so not really a, a great ROI there and you, you've kind of tried everything I mean I think I've, I would have maybe been uh, I maybe I, I would be more skeptical if they hadn't tried everything but they've gone sprinting on the on the main track they've gone long before they've gone in allowance optional claiming races they've gone in graded stakes races so what else do you have to do besides go to the turf I mean you're kind of that's your only angle yeah. so you might as well say well, let's let's try this and and see if it sticks. And for me, I don't know. I guess I think her, her class really outweighs almost anything else for me besides the physical look. Um, but my only problem with Keeper of the Stars is, I mean, yeah, she won a Grade Three for the Autumn Miss at Santa Anita. I like that it was at least at this track at this distance. Honestly, I don't think it was that great of a field uh, personally. And you know, you have to look at that. But if you take that race out. I, she's run well in the San Clemente at Del Mar. That was a good race for her. with mucho unusual. They're kind of trading places. Other than that, this is an allowance horse coming from Golden Gate. And I, I just feel like this is a vulnerable favorite. I, I, I'm not going to take a horse that's coming from a, a, I don't know, let's call it, you know, maybe an easier track, um, easier fields of horses. You're coming out of a lesser level at the allowance levels. To me, Keeper of the Stars, I didn't even have her on my top picks. I just thought she was the most vulnerable, the favorite of the day. Wagering wise, what were some of your wagers uh, around Brill? Just a straight win bet, more straight win, <laughs> straight win, straight win, and very. I did include her, uh, I did include her in Exacto with the five horse. I uh, just I loved again the workouts for the five, and I thought you know so here's my thinking because I don't I'm not including the one on my ticket at all, and uh, mm-hmm. so good luck to me. But the five Agent Alessandra at least for underneath if, if this race kind of falls apart. The way that I think it might, um, I think Brill's the best horse. Then I think six to one, this one could get up, uh, has some decent experience. I mean, this is a step up for her, and that's always tough. She is one of those horses I mentioned before that is coming out of the allowance optional claiming races. You have a horse like Sold It. She's got the back class. That's the seven. Um, so if I was smart, I would probably put the seven, the eight, the horses that do have the graded stakes experience underneath. But I can't help that my number one, um, you know, my, my first step in my handicapping process are the workouts, are the physical, and she's, she's at the top of the list right under Brill. So I got to put her underneath for an exact if I'm going to play one. For me, wagering-wise, it was just to play Angel Alessandra across the board and include her underneath of the Keeper of the Stars, hopefully trying to get that done. Let's go to the race hall and see if Brill could get it done for Megan or if I could keep my exacta alive. Damn. They're off. 
Quick start for Soldit, keeper of the stars along the inside. Here's Angel Alessandra now between rivals up to take the lead, and Brill joins her. Now it's Brill in front. Angel Alessandra second, sold it third, keeper of the stars at the rail, Lucky Peridot between those two. Mischiefy in the yellow colors is about five lengths off the lead. It's another two and a half back to Bodicita, who races on the inside of Laker Ball. Onto the backstretch they go, and Brill will control the pace, cruising along by a two lengths. Angel Alessandra is in second, keeper of the stars a little bit eager but settling down just a touch now, down at the rail in third. Just behind her comes Lucky Peridot in fourth and sold it fifth, but only three lengths off the leader. Then Mischiefy, Bodicita at the rail, and Laker Ball outside of that pair. It's a compact group that heads into the far turn, chasing Brill, who's been uncontested throughout. Angel Alessandra on the outside, keeper of the stars down at the rail, still very much in striking range, although coming under a ride. Then it's Lucky Peridot and sold it right together. Laker ball is three wide on the outside of Mischiefy and Bodicita. A quarter of a mile to go. Brill the leader. Angel Alessandra sold it a wide third coming after them. Keeper of the stars is down at the rail. Then Lucky Peridot. They're in the final furlong and Brill under a hand ride just keeps on going. And it's Brill clear by two. Keeper of the stars moves into second late. Brill coast to coast under Mike Smith wins the Lady of Shamrock. Keeper of the stars second. Three-way photo among Lucky Peridot. Sold it. And Angel Alessandra for the Miners. And the winner is Brill, paying $9 to win, running an 86 buyer. Megan, nice choice on top. Thank you. Sometimes it works out in our favor. Uh, you just got to get lucky. <laughs> Getting back kind of into the workouts, uh, you said you were doing some, that you keep your own notes. Where exactly do you keep the notes? Mm -hmm. Is it in Formulator or is it in a notebook somewhere that you just have like a huge, like I can imagine with being in a school notebook, like six of them lugging those around? Mm, yeah, you're not wrong. It's a giant scroll. I have it in a safe. It's okay. right by a two-headed <laughs> dragon. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I have it on my laptop. I, honestly, I, uh, now it's going to be stolen at the office. Um, no, I have a, uh, I've tried formulator before in an ideal world that would, uh, that would be where I keep my notes. Um, however, I seem to, I don't love the system. I don't really love any system that we have, uh, from a tech point of view in racing. So I've gone to the good old spreadsheet, if you will. Um, so we'll see how that works. I've used formulator in the past. I just think it's difficult. You got to go back to the horse and then you got to put in the previous notes on that race. And then, it shows up in the next one, which is good, but I don't think it's a perfect system. Um, and I also like to kind of keep the trip notes for the race and the um, and the workout notes kind of in the same spot. So I don't like having to go back and forth between seven different things. Uh, and I use my iPad a lot. So I like the fact that I can have that spreadsheet on the iPad if I want it, um, whereas Formulator is only a desktop website, as far as I'm aware. Uh, so it's just in a regular old uh, Excel spreadsheet, which is nice. But I... I keep the horse's name i have the workout date or the race date uh my own notes and then i have a rating system as well i think i use that less the rating system um i'm less concerned about the letter more concerned about the actual notes itself especially since like i said i keep track of um of a lot of things like equipment one of the big things for me uh let's say going back to breeders cup week with um what was it dennis's moment i, I noticed that they had changed the bit a couple of weeks before uh, or between the, la the races rather um, and asked Dale Romans about that. And, and, you know, he had kind of mentioned, you know, not a lot of people are picking up on that, but I know as a rider, the differences that the little intricacies can, can make. Um, and that's as far as control goes uh, for holding horses back for, you know, steering for, uh, for whatever. So that's really important to me. And that's all included in my workout notes. It's about how the horse does it. And for Brill, for her, for example, um, she was literally being restrained on that workout on the 19th. And that's still for a, a time, by the way, going six furlongs, one twelve and three uh, bullet workout that day. And, you know, it was a nice long work for her. So I knew she'd have the stamina coming off of a layoff. But if you have a horse that's doing everything in their power to, uh, to move through the bridle, thank your exercise rider, number one, because their arms are so sore. Um, but they're also just showing how much they have. They are a rocket ready to launch. And that's what I found from her just watching her on XBTV. Going into the race, obviously there was a jockey change from Flavian Pratt to Mike Smith. 
And the horse mm-hmm. went right out on the lead and just kept going. Are you surprised that they decided to go to the lead with her, that they didn't try and cover her up? I don't think so. No, because she really hadn't been that far off of it. If you go back and you, uh, and you watch, or you look at her running lines, rather, she had been, you know, second by a length, second by two lengths, whatever, in her past couple of races. And, by the way, that's been at two different distances. That's been when sprinting and also going long. So, to me, it just it mm-hmm. points out the fact that she has a, she's precocious. You know, she likes to be out there early. Um, if you watch her workout, she seems to be very keen as well. If she was a horse that, you know, when they were going, when they were changing those distances, maybe she did that sprinting but not long or whatever, and that would change a little bit. But to me, she just seems a, li- a bit set in her ways in that she's she knows she's got power and she wants to use it. And I love Flavian Pratt. Obviously, he's an excellent rider out here, um, and it was a shame not to see him on. But if you are going to go to somebody else, Mike Smith has the best hands in any rider in this country ever that I have seen. Um, and so he really gets along well with a lot of those fillies and um, tougher horses because he can just get them to settle. They just take a breath underneath him, which is not common uh, across different colonies. One of my favorite angles is really Mike Smith on, not so much seeing him on the runner in the last <laughs> race, but seeing him just jump on. I'm like, well, okay, I can upgrade this horse about 10 points. And usually yeah, that's what it takes to win. To that's said. usually what it takes to win a race. Yeah, he's just, he's a horseman, you know, and, and I know that as well. There, there are some horses I've gotten on before that I maybe haven't gotten along with well, but he, he takes a, a step back. Um, and in doing so, they take five steps forward because he lets the horse be a horse. He lets them breathe and um, he has the confidence to do so. And, you know, they're classy horses that he gets on. Usually you don't have them getting on a bunch of lower level claimers that are uh, kind of running their brains out. But. And the last thing for this race, Keeper of the Stars obviously runs second, loses by a length and three quarters. Still a vulnerable favorite, or do you think you might have gotten lucky with that horse not coming with its top effort? No, I think Brill is a better horse any day. That'll be the result. Brill will beat this horse time and time and time again. Uh, however, I was impressed by Keeper of the Stars, so I did have to eat my words a little bit because the horse <laughs> um, moved forward uh, and was able to stay, you know, graded stakes place. So it flattered the form, I thought, of the grade two Dan Clemente of the grade three autumn miss, uh, even that fourth place in the Del Mar Oak. Um, but I just don't think that the quality of that Philly is up to snuff with that of a, of a horse like Brill. And, and, you know, maybe they'll turn around and, and face each other again. I just felt like Brill was on the A team. Keeper of the stars is on the B team. I feel like it's always interesting coming out of a race like this, like all weekend I was on the wrong favorite and I, or I was picked the long, long shot and the favorite would win. And I always like my favorite part about, a handicapping is going back in and trying to adjust like the levels of the different class ratings and being like, okay, how good was this race compared to the other main claimers throughout the week? And then trying to like almost make like a hierarchy mm-hmm. of like, well, if this horse drops from like, you know, the A maiden race to the D race, like that's an inside mm-hmm. level class drop that I think has a lot of chances of winning. And the horse might go off at two to I five, agree. but that's a two to five that I feel much more stronger about than most people are just like, well, he's two to five. He obviously should win the race. Well, I have the, you know, know some stats to back that up. And not all graded stakes are created equally. A grade three no, somewhere else absolutely might not. be completely different that, than uh, a grade three at Saratoga James, or, you know, Keeneland. James Quinn came out and said that the first in his graded stake chapter, and one of the books he wrote was not all graded stakes are created equal. And I've really, really held on to that as hmm. long as I have been handicapping. What do you say we jump Here into? I was thinking race- I made a smart comment that was original. <laughs> oh no. I, I've, it's not that I haven't heard it before. It's just that I remember that from one of his chapters. That's all. But it was mm-hmm. original for the 2000s. We can leave it at that. There you go. Uh, r- race number three a maiden 30,000 going six furlongs on the dirt for maiden Philly two year olds. What was your opinion going into here, Megan? Didn't have much of one. Uh, I, I took four horses in here on my tickets, I spread a bit. I included the one from Bravo, Richard Baltus, just because I was searching um, for a horse to play in here. And I thought maybe she could jump up. Her works had been good enough, although I didn't get to see them because they were at Family Ray, so not included on XBTV. Um, I felt like she was an okay horse to include. The five Ricky Ninetoes finished second already at the maiden claiming level, albeit it was against Cowbreds. This is against Open Company, Tiago Pereira aboard. Um, I thought that horse was, was certainly okay based off of you just really don't have a lot of form to go on. So 
course, mm-hmm. it finished second to Maiden Claiming. I, I probably would have preferred it at a Maiden Special Weight level, but I like the fact that she looked like she moved forward off of it because after that November 19th, or 29th race, rather, she came back, put in a fast workout on December 19th, going four for long. And 48 and four. And, and I know that Brian Corner uh, likes to see good times for his horses. So uh, I, I thought she was kind of fitting in the pattern. He's very, very good with Maidens making their second start. He wins at 30%. And, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he's able to move those horses off of that debut. So five went on top for me. Uh, I really liked the nine. It's a riddle. I was surprised by the four to one price for <clears throat> Bob Hess Jr. I like horses that went off as the favorite last time. And maybe today is redemption day for them. What happened in that race? And I couldn't really find a whole lot of reason for the effort for her besides the good racetrack on November uh, 29th. Maybe she just didn't like the bit of softer ground on the main track. But Mm -hmm. if you actually go back to two back at at Del Mar, she had a fast track that day, November 8th, five and a half furlong. She showed some speed and uh, finished second by a length as a favorite. And that was against Maiden Claiming Company as well. So it's a riddle for me. Uh, I think fits the best in here. And this is a horse that has already shown that speed both early on maiden special weight level three races back and at the maiden claiming. And I think a lot of times with these, if I can call them because they are cheaper maiden claiming races, it's all about speed. You got to ride a cheap horse, like a cheap horse. And that is to get up there and go. I mean, you spoke earlier about handicapping some of those smaller racetracks, if you will, what kind of courses do you usually see that win there, especially when you're talking about dirt races and sprint races? Who's the fastest Great. sprint out there? Great we hope speed. for the best. And I think that, that that angle applies here at a racetrack like Santa Anita, and it applies at, insert name of small racetrack here. You know, I mean, it's going to apply at Penn National, and it's going to apply here at Santa Anita when you're talking about the, the lower-level horses. So I, I thought that the speed that It's a Riddle had shown before, and you could see that in her running lines, was going to be more important than almost anything else. And, and that was my thinking with Taco Cat as well. She had shown some speed against Maiden Claimer, so I included her. Uh, so that was one, five, nine, and seven, all my top picks there. I know for me, when I start off with the main claiming races, people who listen to the show regularly always hear me talking about buyer pars. The buyer par for this race is at 57. In the James Quinn handicapping uh, book, he talks about spreading the net a little wider, dropping it five points to collect those horses that you might not always have. So it was a 52 for me. So mm-hmm. some horses that I thought maybe the number three Swift socks coming out of that same race as uh, Ricky nine toes could jump up showing that second uh, race experience and maturation. Uh, Bill Spar is not too good with two-year-olds, but going off of maiden second start two-year-olds, he's one for five in the last five years. Four of them have hit the money, and they were all under four to one. So I kind of sort of watched the board four to one, try to play the horse underneath. Ricky Nine Toes was obviously my top pick with a 62. I wanted to ask you how big of the drop from 50,000 Calbred to open. Do you think it's a big drop? Do you think it's a small drop? What are your thoughts on this? Now you're drop? testing my knowledge of putting me on the spot, but uh, I, I actually have to look back at the condition book because I think it's a lateral move. I think that might be mm-hmm. the lowest that they go sprinting on the uh, on the main track for the Calbreds. I don't put money on that. Um, I don't have the condition book in front of me, nor have I read it recently uh, because it's changed a little bit. But um, I, if it's a lateral move there from the, the bottom of the barrel for the Calbreds to – isn't this the bottom of the barrel now for the Maiden Claimers, Maiden 20, Maiden 30? I can't remember. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think it was that big of a – that big of a move, that big of a difference. And not for nothing, you have a lot of Calbreds in this field as well. So, I mean, you have a couple of Kentucky breads in there. You obviously want to look out for them. Uh, although I didn't love the workouts of some of those horses. Um, but I didn't think it was that big of a difference. I think that's interesting that you say, like, the more Calbreds that are in the race. So it almost was like an open Calbred race in a way. If, like, if there's only one or two Kentucky horses, you really have to look mm-hmm. at. Brian Corner also is amazing. Maiden second start, two-year-old, dirt sprint, maiden claiming, four for nine in the last five years. All of the stats look good. The 62 was a, was a monster number off of a 17-to-1 board. So I just feel that, like, when you look at that type of buyer, the class level, I just thought that this horse was going to improve. And I didn't really have anything else. It's a riddle. I thought it was super two at the class level when I love to play those horses underneath because I never think they're going to win mm-hmm. once they hit the board two or three times. I just think that they're a good play underneath. Why? And I, what do you mean? Why? 
Because why? Why did you I, think they're going to win when they hit the board two or three times? Because for me, the more they hit the board at a certain class level, I feel like they would either a need a drop to get the get the win, or that the way their odds are, their odds would be decompressed because everyone sees the second and thirds, and that the horse wouldn't be a good enough price for me to take. So that's just the way I've always. But what if they've got nowhere to drop? <laughs> well, then you've caught me with my hands tied behind my back, and now I'm stuck in that quandary. <laughs> I don't think had anywhere else to drop, you know, to me, it's like, it's like a child. It's like saying, well, you've gotten a, a, a B and a C on your last couple of tests. You're studying really hard. You're, you're getting better every week that you have a, a workout mentally or otherwise. Uh, so you'll probably get an F on your next race or on your next test rather. I mean, you have to think I that mean, they've, they're going to improve, right? These are two year olds. They're babies. They're learning. <laughs> I, I know. But could they ship to Golden Gate run for whatever it would be? 10,000. Not if you finish second by a length at this level. All right, that's that's very true. That's very true. So <laughs> let's let's get into the wagering part, Megan. What what was your type of wager in this race? Were you continuing at pick four, or pick five, or was it more vertically? At this point, I think I I was um I think I was dead out of my pick five ticket, but I was alive in my pick four with uh, Brill obviously as my top selection. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that I played this race by itself because I really had not much of an opinion. Um, and I thought it would likely go the way of Ricky nine toes. I mean, uh, had I played the race straight, I likely would have just taken it to riddle because of the reasons that we mentioned, but also just going back to, like I said, the workouts, um, for this horse, uh, I wrote in my notes, solo drill, blink bond, shadow roll, moving over training track. Well, bad time, but looks okay. So for me, it was less about the time for it to riddle on, I think that was December 15th, you know, four for and 53 and four is obviously mm-hmm. nothing to call home about, but the horse was moving really well, looked to be healthy and looked again, like they weren't trying. The goal of the workout was not to blow this one out. It was just to, to continue a maintenance um, drill. So I liked that fact. And then there were a couple of horses in there that I did not like, such as Cowboy's Daughter who had a very high stride. Um, I thought if this horse is going to win on anything, it's going to be the turf course because, I mean, just climbing on the dirt. And, in fact, this one is actually a, a horse that sold at the Santa Anita Shale back in the spring of this year, which I was at, was tip number two. And I actually went back to my notes from the sale as well. And it was kind of the same as my uh, workout notes, very high action, slow, not getting over ground well. And I couldn't have right, – that was pretty much exactly what I said – in my uh mm-hmm. in my notes there so i was off of cowboy's daughter just because of the physical look uh and then la rosa drive i think was another one in there and i thought it has a really high stride um not really it was being asked and didn't really have a huge response uh cowboy's daughter by the way didn't change leads on time too which to me was not something great that i like to see especially for a firster who looks like they're still moving and then kudahura was in here that's the two my workout notes um had the company equipment i said long stride no gumption <laughs> company moves fast easily so <laughs> i was not in love with any of the other horses in there um so i really found this race hard to to play by itself for me i thought ricky nine toes was going to get the trip and i was just going to play a straight win bet on him at even money or higher let's get to the race call let's hope that it's a riddle does not get the job done or else i'll be eating my words for the rest of this conversation <laughs> Let's head to the race call. And they're off. It's a riddle. Flies out of the gate. Ricky Ninetoes is up close. La Rosa Drive in the line, moving through along the inside. Now to take second and vie for the lead. They're followed by Taco Cat on the outside of Kuda Hura. That pair only about three lengths off the lead as they head to the half-mile pole. Swift Sox is racing in between those two, closer than last time, just three and a half off the pace. A four-wide Cowboys daughter is next. Then comes Queen Aria and Golden Melody at the back. La Rosa Drive passes the 3-8th pole just in front. Ricky Nine Toes pressuring those two on even terms. A three-wide It's a Riddle at the quarter pole, just three-quarters off the lead. Swift Sox is next. Taco Cat is racing in between horses. And on the far outside, Cowboy's Daughter only has three to make up. They're at the top of the stretch. It's a riddle on the outside at the rail. La Rosa Drive, Ricky Nine Toes in between them. These three fighting it out a length and a half in front of Cowboy's Daughter, who's firing a big shot in the debut. Cowboy's Daughter on the outside, lengthening stride, trying to run down. It's a riddle. Cowboy's Daughter at first asking. Cowboy's Daughter 
pulls off a big upset. It's a riddle with second. Ricky Nine Toes third, then a photo La Rosa driver, Swift Socks. And Cowboy's daughter gets done at an amazing 54 to 1, pays 110.80. Thank God for me, the runner up, it's a riddle. Only loses by three quarters of a length, but this is why I brought up the thing about not playing horses at that level. Although, Megan, let's go back to the point. The horse did go off at 7 to 1, so I guess we're equally right that. It's kind of a where does the odd where do the odds end up when you're coming into the race? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you much prefer it's a riddle finishing um, second or third at this kind of a price as compared to the ninety cents on the dollar last time or even money the time before that. So you're right about that. You certainly have to see where the value is. Look at the odds board. Look at your phone. Whatever it is that you're uh, where you are when you're playing the race and see how valuable she is. Um, honestly, I. You could play this race a thousand times, and I probably still wouldn't pick Cowboy's Daughter. However, mm -hmm. I really want to give a lot of credit going back and, you know, watching that replay. It was an excellent ride by Brees Blanc on her because she is one of those horses. I think because of her high stride, she lacks stride efficiency, which is really important. Um, the, you know, less you're going up and down, the more you're moving forward. Uh, with these horses, the easier it is. If you have a horse that has a stride like her and she really takes those high action strides that aren't efficient, especially over dirt, you have to grind on those horses. And he, there was not a second of this race where he was not riding her. So he must have been exhausted afterwards. And she responded. She came up, she made up a lot of ground uh, the entire time she was moving past horses and, and obviously was a little bit green in the stretch, but coming down the wire was just best of them all. So uh, again, I, I couldn't go back and play her if you told me she was going to win, which you just did. However, uh, I want to give credit where credit's due for Brees Blanc and, and Tom Bell, Ray Bell. The, uh, the main thing when I go back, first one, after I watch the race replay, I try and find out the buyers. Uh, this one won with a 47. Obviously, even if you drop the five points in the buyer part of a 52, the horse still ran outside of it. To me, that kind of tells me this, that, that this field's pretty weak for the level, and I know it's at the bottom of the barrel. So when you see a number like that come back, are you just looking to try to hopefully that Ricky nine toes and it's a riddle come back at much lower prices than the instantly play against, or do you think that there's still some value to get out of this race? If this field were to come back and face each other again, minus Cowboys daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, I would probably take it's a riddle or Ricky nine toes. I just think that it, uh, uh, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I really dislike playing races like this. Uh, I, I guess I would hope that one of those horses came through or we had somebody else, uh, you know, move up or, or a new entry in the race and I could just bet them. Uh, I hate betting races like this. To me, they are absolute spreads, which clearly I should have hit the all box. Uh, but these are the kind of races that will really kill your, uh, kill your budget on your ticket because you have to go deep in them. So when you see like the Tampa Bay races where it's like three maiden claimers in the early pick five, you're just like, well, I'm not playing that sequence. It depends. Depends on the field. It depends if it's on the turf. I much prefer the turf racing and I can, I can, I feel like I can, um, I could see turf racing. I can see those horses better than I can cheap claimers, cheap maiden claimers mm -hmm. uh, on the dirt. But yeah, that's not ideal for me. If I look at a sequence and there's, you know, a bunch of races like this that are bottom of the barrel, uh, especially sprinting on, on the, um, on the main track, a few first-time starters thrown in, et cetera. To me, that is, that's horrible. <laughs> well, what do you say we go from the bottom of the barrel to the top of the barrel? We're talking about race seven at Santanita, the Libre grade one going seven furlongs on the dirt. It's the return to the races for Bellafina coming off of the Breeders' Cup, Philly and Mare Sprint running, just missing, running second to Kofefi. What were your thoughts on this race, Megan? You know, <clears throat> Bellafina, I I have not liked when she is shipped um, because of what I do for work with NBC Sports and TVG and all of that. I get to be at a lot of those big races. And any time that I had seen Bellafina um, work or, or even gallop over the racetrack, like let's say in Kentucky uh, earlier this year, I did not like the way that she was moving over the racetrack. And I said that in a couple of interviews that I did. And, you know, I, I know that this is a talented horse. I know that Simon Callahan is a very talented trainer, but watching her move over some of these other surfaces, I disliked her. So she was a throwout for me, an absolute toss just because of that. And that includes her at being the favorite, by the way, in the Kentucky Oaks. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I think that that's really important. I didn't love the way that she worked 
um, before the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. I used her because of her record at Santa Anita and how well she's done at her home track. However, if you go back and you do watch some of those workouts, she's got a little bit of a gait issue, and that's uh, been shown at the races, but it's also been shown in the mornings, and she just really doesn't seem to get out of there well. She kind of falls out of the gate, and then she's got to get herself up into stride, especially for a horse that has been more forwardly placed before. To me, that's a really big vulnerability. Um, But I did think that she looked like she had improved. She was back home here. Uh, and on her turf, in my opinion, you know, she was uh, a must use and, and she has the back class too. We talked about that earlier in the other stakes race with Brill. Uh, just look at her record, look at her resume and what she's been in. And besides a couple of efforts where, you know, you can go line by line and, and you say, well, she was out of town at parks. Okay. Cross out that fourth by nine lengths. She was out of town at Saratoga, cross out that third by nine lengths, the Kentucky Derby out of town again. And if you kind of go line by line and you do that, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile included, now you've crossed out her efforts where she's finished fourth, third, fifth, and fourth. The rest of the record, uh, the rest of the races rather that she has on her record, she has either finished first or second, and most of those being right here at this racetrack. So she's one of those that is a logical play, even though obviously she's the favorite, but she's a logical use because she's proven herself at a level like this and at a track like this. So uh, really couldn't see around her. However, I did give myself a bit of coverage by using a horse like Mother Mother, Bob Baffert, and Get Joel Rosario. Uh, this horse was intended to be a really good thing from the beginning and just hasn't really shown up in a lot of spots. Granted, she's been unlucky having some off race tracks uh, in her past three races. Before that, I think they were just trying to find where she wanted to fit. She's that kind of interesting specialist type distance, the seven furlongs. Does she want to go a mile? Does mm-hmm. she want to go a mile on the 16th. She preferred the longer stretch at Los Alamitos. So trying to find the right spot for those horses can be difficult, Uh, but she got Hall of Famer Bob Baffert and I had no question about the layoff for her. I thought that she, you know, should be able to come back really well. Um, And her, her workouts were, were okay. She had been working against some male counterparts as well. Uh, Not that they had been anything of note. It was like maiden special weight Colts and et cetera. But um, I thought that she had put in some decent fitness drills. Um, And then I went with the, six horse in here bell's the one for neil pesson um who's an excellent trainer there in the midwest circuit but the workouts for her uh were okay she's kind of a petite looking horse she in my opinion was almost a little turfy looking because of that um but she was really keen she was showing good energy and to me with the time she had put in in the mornings plus the fact she was coming off of the uh the layoff i just thought again she looked like she was a bottle of energy ready to go. And, and she really has not had a bad record. If you go back and you look at her stats for 2018, three for three, uh, four for six in the top four in 2000 or in the six races that she's had in um, 2019. So that's been against graded stakes company and graded stakes company, by the way, at some very tough racetracks like Keeneland, like Churchill, like Belmont. Um, so she just made sense to me because of where she had been before. One quick question, just now, when you keep when talking about how these horses look a little turfy, are you pretty good at figuring out, like, if they do have a turf foot? Because that's the one thing Maggie Wolfendale for Naira for me has always been, like, this horse is a turf foot. Make sure you make a note of that. And I've always, like, kind of just gone to formulator and quickly made that note for when that horse decides mm-hmm. to jump over the turf. Is that a really big thing for you? Like, are, are you more of just, like, the way that their stride is? No, I think, uh, well, also, I think that's a generalized term because I think there's a few different types of um, turf foot. And that mm-hmm. can come into play often when you're talking about are we going, uh, what's the condition of the turf course? Is it a softer turf course? Um, is it something that's a little bit more firm? Because you, you can have a, a wider, kind of bigger turf foot, or you have horses that are a little bit more spindly um, and have a smaller deer-like turf foot. And oftentimes those horses, I think, can get over a wet track very well. And they, uh, a wet track rather, for a sloppy racetrack, but also, uh, a turf course with a little bit more give to it too. So Bell's the one. She she looked turfy. I didn't. Mean, granted, I'm. It's tough to see their feet unless you're physically there. Which at Santa Anita Park, when I was in the paddock, that was something that I made a really big note of was their feet and also the equipment. If there were any changes there, because I could be up close to the horses and see if they were in a D ring rather than a, a ring bit or you know an extended Houghton or the different bits that you deal with. Um, shadow rolls, blinkers, different types of blinkers that have different cutouts in them, all those little things that I mentioned before, I was able to see that firsthand because I'm standing right next to the horse. However, 
watching from afar in the workouts or the uh, replays, I thought she looked turfy because of her stride. Um, that's oftentimes, I think you've got two different types of turf strides as well. A high turfy stride where they have got a high knee action. It kind of looks like they're climbing the dirt, if you will. And then you have some horses that get over the dirt okay, and they have more of a daisy cutter stride. Their, long, uh, their knees just kind of kick out and their legs don't go very high. Uh, and they're able to really cover a lot of ground. We see that a lot on the training track here at Santa Anita. So those two things can make a horse look more turfy to me, as well as their body, too. I mean, she was just, she's petite. She kind of had that little uh, deer-like body. She wasn't very big. She had a nice sloping shoulder. I thought she had good depth in her shoulder, but, you know, it didn't look like your classic dirt horse. Um, so she just had more of a European look to her. Even, I think she has a little bit of a dished face, too. Um, so she, she screamed turf to me, obviously we're not on the turf here, although they did try it with her going a mile and she won at fairgrounds, but, um, I, I, it was a question mark for me. She looked fit and athletic. I just was wondering, where does this horse want to run? A hundred percent for me. I thought Bellafina off of that last race was probably going to bounce. I didn't know how much the work's coming in. Obviously with me, I don't use XBTV too much, but now having this conversation, I'm going to use it every day. <laughs> the one thing I like about Belfina is that she could, she can kind of, she can do it on the pace. She can do it stalking. She could close even a little bit from off the pace. The horse I ended up on was the number one first start, Graydon Van Dyke, off the layoff. Just when you see these type of horses run 290s pretty early in their career, I thought this horse's feeling was, you know, on the up and up. And I just really, really liked the second in the Raven run last time out, kind of showed that she belonged in the great stakes. And I was very interested to see how she would run in this race. Megan, for you on a wagering side, did you have anything going into this race, pick fives, anything like that? Or was it more of a straight win bet? Um, I think this was the start of the pick five. So I think I played a pick five in there. Uh, I used three horses, the five, nine, and six. I thought about using the eight as well, motion to motion, um, just because I know they've been working with her for a really long time, Richard Baltus. And uh, she... I think she's a good horse. She just needs to kind of find her feet. Um, so I thought at 15 to one, maybe she was a play for you there. So I spread a little bit in the pick five and hoped that I could shorten up elsewhere. Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I, I knew Bellafina would go off at a really short price. So I, I didn't see she was worth it as a, a straight play. I thought either we use somebody to try to beat her or we use big value underneath. So I was looking more towards a horse like the nine mother, mother, uh, and hoping Bob Baffert had her ready to go. I mean, we see that from time to time with him, whether it's horses that have been kind of uh, lost and haven't found the right spot yet, or horses that are return- returning off the layoff. I mean, it is not very often that we can get a uh, six-to-one price or whatever the horse went off at eventually on a, on a Bob Baffert trainee, a Peter Miller trainee, you know, insert those names here, even Chad Brown, right? Absolutely. When you get him at a price, you're mm-hmm. like, wait, what happened? <laughs> So I thought maybe this is one of those moments and mother, mother can come up and, you know, we'll get Bob Baffert at a price, which would be a nice little holiday gift. Uh, but so that would be the only place I could land if I played this race by itself. For me, it was just a win bet on first start. Let's see if Megan's start to the pick five went well, or if I could get done with first star right now. And they're off in the La Brea Stakes. Stirred is hustled between horses. Mother, mother has the lead, however. Bellafina now rushes up in between rivals and free cover close down at the rail. Now a joint second. Behind this group, Delmar May is about four or five lengths off the lead. Motion to motion just outside of her. First star is down at the rail. Four lengths in front of Bell's the one and hard not to love at the back of the field. Bella Fina controls it down the backstretch. She's in front by a length and a half. Mother Mother is in second and free cover at the rail third. Motion Emotion, three and a half lengths off the pace. First star trying to make some progress down at the rails, stirred between rivals. Delmar May has lost a little bit of ground. Bell's the one is moving up while three wide. And from the back of the field, hard not to love is also starting to rally. Bella Fina and Mother Mother, Mother Mother firing a big shot on the outside of Bella Fina at the top of the stretch. Bella Fina called on now. Four lengths back to hard not to love. There's an eighth of a mile to go. Bella Fina, Mother Mother, and hard 
not to love continues to storm home on the outside. Hard not to love from well out of it has taken command close to home and it's hard not to love. Mike Smith in the record books as she wins the La Brea Stakes. Bellafina was second. Mother Mother finished third in front of first star and Bell's the one. And the win goes to hard not to love at 11 to 1 paying 25 20. Another win for Mike Smith under his belt. The winning buyer for this horse was 102, so she improved off the 86, and Bellafina dropped from a 105 to a 98. Megan, let's deconstruct this race. Hard not to love. I mean, ran so well with jockey Mike Smith. Um, I mean, you had what we thought would happen, which was Bellafina going out there early, mother, mother, coming off the layoff and trying to take it to her. And then in the stretch, they just they came back to a horse that, that off the pace if you watch as soon as they break from the starting gate which this horse had had some trouble before bobbled at the start off a little bit slow off slow in three of her four career races she has had trouble at the gate you get a patient rider we talked about this earlier with mike smith she breaks from the gate she's a little slow mike doesn't rush up his hands don't move forward once he does not throw the reins at her uh he just says okay let's take a breath here and he just rides her into position watch the start of that race because that's where it was won and then he's able to sit off the pace. The horses come back to him, and he just cruises by with the horse that had was very ready by John Sheriff. So, I mean, all credit goes to him for getting her to back to this point off a layoff and getting her to take such a massive step up here. It was a really, really impressive performance uh, by a horse who, you know, many could think is limited. She only has one eye, but uh, she certainly has showed us that she doesn't need the other one. She can uh, run with any <laughs> sort of uh, any sort of um, handicap, if you will. It's the female version of Patch. Bellafina, obviously, for me, ran well. The bounce wasn't as severe as we thought. Mother Mother ended up running third. First star ran just as good of a race, went from a 91 to an 87, so I think the sky is still the limit for that one. Just in a little bit tough here in a grade one, maybe see her back in a grade two. I don't have any other really big thoughts other than that, Megan. Yeah, this one, the past two races we talked about were head scratcher. I much prefer uh, <laughs> my lock of the day with Brill, but I'll just have to uh, have that carry me through into next week. 100%. I want to thank you so much for being on the program. Hopefully, if you're coming up to Saratoga this year, I would love to hear some more about the workouts, maybe understand a little bit more of what you look for when you're on the track. Would love to, would love to have some time with that. Absolutely. It would be fun. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. It was a blast. Of course. Thanks to all of our great fans for listening to this show and my special guest, Megan Devine. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time.